0: We are continuing to kind of look at um, where we're heading as a congregation and, and some of the, the values and the initiatives that we're trying to undertake, uh, especially as we come out of this uh, pandemic and, and, and all of that. We're hoping that that's in, in the rearview mirror. What does it look like for us to be Spring Creek Church of the Brethren in, in these times in this day and in this age. I want to encourage you to come to uh, our next council meeting June 12th. There's not a lot of business, uh, but it's going to be a time for extended conversation about uh, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and so we invite you to come and be a part of that. Uh, Whether you're a member or not, uh, just come and be part of the conversation that happens on June 12th. If you want to see more uh, and read more about uh, our our vision and and these initiatives, uh, you can see the wall that's down in the gathering area, uh, but there's also a link on our website, springcreekcob.org, and it's pretty easy to find, but it's also slash mission hyphen and hyphen vision. Okay, so if you look at that, you'll see a little bit more information about what we're naming as our values, who we are as a congregation, and what uh, practical projects kind of things uh, are we trying to be a part of. It's interesting, uh, a friend... Uh, A number of years ago talked about how our relationship with God uh, and our relationship with the people around us has kind of three dimensions to it we have an up dimension we have an in dimension and we have an out dimension Up is our relationship with God. In is our relationship, uh, our growing with ourselves, but also growing uh, with the body of Christ. And our outward relationship is our relationship with others that are around us, the, the folks that we interact with day in and day out. And so as you look over, you know, we name things of we are growing, sharing, and serving, but under each one of those headings is some way that we are trying to grow and share and serve in an upward relationship, uh, in an inward relationship with one another, and also with an outward relationship with those uh, around us. And so those three directions are tied into our statements And we're gonna be looking a little bit more at that uh, this morning. As we do that and as we take a look at these texts that we've uh, read this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. I pray that you would speak through me or despite me. I pray that you might uh, encourage us to follow you more closely in the way we live our individual lives, in the way that we live together as a congregation, in the way that we live and interact with uh, folks around us every day. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been our practice here recently to ask some questions. And Doug, I'm going to use this... uh, my, the singing microphone here. And let me start by asking a question, and I'll come around. What is a church, or what is the church? What does the, the word church mean? I worked with youth. I've asked questions before and had silence, so I can outwait. <laughs> well, th- this this is you know we've had some fo- we do have folks that watch online. We have some folks that listen to services later, and and they want to hear not just my recap, but they want to hear what you're you're imparting to us as well. Well. Uh... Okay. All right, the microphone's not working, so <laughs> I'll recap this morning. We're flexible. Yeah, I'm reminded of every time I drive through the entry post out here, that the the church is the people mm. of God, and the building that we're in... Uh, I suppose we're going to go ahead and call it the church no matter what. But it's that's a, certainly a part of it, but I the the church for me is definitely the people. So it's it's the people and Ron was talking about it's not the building that seems to be the word we use um, and it's hard to get away from that. I've tried in my own conversation to kind of research, re, um, refer to the facility or refer to the building. But in common language, we call the building the church, but it is about the people. Yeah, what else is the church? Um, I was thinking about the scripture that was read earlier today out of Pete, I guess first Peter, (laughs) where the church is a group of people that have been chosen by God to be a royal priesthood. So in a sense, there's a measure of authority given to them through what Christ has done, but as a priesthood to be there, to be a blessing to others. So it's a transformed people who are now part of God's new creation and what he's trying Mm. to do. Both these passages have some element of uh, authority, both in the priesthood and in the the binding and loosing uh, that Jesus talks about there in Matthew. The church is a collection of unique individuals who have been given gifts to exercise in the building up of the body. Mm. We have some unique individuals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Church is, a, church is a place where we where we meet together and be drawn closer to God, not only to God, but to one another. Yeah. That's what I believe the church is, but like everyone said here, I agree with what Mm. they said. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. That's good. It's good to be thinking about what that means, uh, what what church is, and, and how we function. There's a couple of New Testament words that um, are kind of, that that kind of help form our image and our idea of what the church is called to be. Uh, The first of these two words that I want to touch on is koinonia. It's not directly translated church, but it's fellowship or common participation. It's it's a coming together and and the fellowshipping and uh, the participating in the life of Christ that we undertake together. So koinonia, fellowship. The other word that's more directly uh, translated as church in the New Testament is uh, ecclesia. And, and really, it's a gathering of citizens called out from their homes. It was not a word unique to uh, the first followers of Jesus. It was a word that was used uh, broadly in the Greek and Roman world, and they were a group of citizens who would be called out to, to vote or to, to welcome the king, uh, but they were called out ones. And so the followers of Jesus were using this word as ones who were being called out who were gathering and identifying as a new group of citizens who were following the reign of King Jesus. This word appears 24 times in the book of Acts, which is kind of the history of the church. It's used 21 times in 1 Corinthians as guidance and correction for the church. And it's used 19 times in Revelation, opening praise and, and criticism for, for seven churches that are kind of representative of, of all of the churches. And so we have these couple of passages where the church is, is mentioned and where Jesus is kind of establishing the church. The first of these is our gospel reading out of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus Ask the disciples what people are saying about him. Who do, who do people think I am? What are you hearing? What are, they, what are they saying about me? And then he turns that question and directs it to the disciples themselves. And Simon is asked what he thinks about Jesus. And Simon replies, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And Jesus responds, yeah, that's, that's right, that's great, And he says, on this rock I will build my church. And it's interesting, there's kind of three ideas about what Jesus is talking about here. Three options for us. The first is that when Jesus is talking about, on this rock I will build my church, uh, one of the ways that the church, the broad church, has understood this, is that Jesus is talking about Peter. And Jesus is saying, you are Peter, Petros, which means rock stone and on you i will build my church that's one way that historically that has been interpreted another option is that jesus is talking about the truth of peter's claim when peter says you are the messiah son of the living god jesus responds that's right you are now called peter you are called stone And on this rock, on this truth that you have proclaimed, on the fact that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And it's this as a foundation. A third option is that Jesus is talking in part about the physical place that they're standing. Matthew states that Jesus goes intentionally to Caesarea Philippi kind of an odd place for a Jewish rabbi to take his disciples and have a very important conversation, right? Caesarea Philippi was the the place where uh, the Greek god Pan was worshipped, and in the uh, surrounding area around Caesarea Philippi were a series of, of cliffs and ledges, and in those cliff sides there were caves and a lot of the folks believed that that's where the gods and goddesses would go for winter vacation. They would go and hibernate in the caves and they would come out and there was all kinds of pagan rituals and all the stuff that goes with pagan rituals and debauchery and all that kind of stuff uh, that would happen in that area. It was not a very like uh, Jewish focused uh, Yahweh worshiping kind of place. You get what I'm saying? It's not not a great location, but Jesus takes his disciples there, and it's here that Jesus says, what do you think of me? And when he responds then to Peter, Jesus is saying, you are, and he says, Petros, Peter, and on this Petros, on this rock, on this ledge, I will build my church. Even in the place that seems to be completely opposed to Jesus, Jesus is talking about building his church. He says, The gates of Hades will not be able to withstand. The gates of a city are typically a defensive structure. We've often pictured hell as an offensive force and the church in a defensive posture of resistance. And and so, you know, hell is just invading and we need to, to hold it at bay. But that's not the picture that's presented here. In fact, in a number of places, that's not the picture that Jesus presents. He says the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not be able to withstand the invasion of the kingdom of God. An invasion that happens very differently than invasions we see on the news, than invasions that we've experienced throughout world history. A very different kind of invasion. But Jesus says these gates won't be able to withstand the kingdom that comes like a mustard seed and grows and grows Elsewhere, Jesus likens himself to one who breaks in and sets captives free. Again, the, not, the, not the defensive idea, like we just need to hold everything at bay, but a, a rescue operation to go in and to be pulling people from death, to be rescuing those that are captive to sin and the grave. Our other passage out of 1 Peter also focuses on a rock, too, on a foundation stone. And here Peter is talking about the construction of the church, and he's not talking about, uh, Ron, to your point, he's not talking about two-by-fours, he's not talking about uh, stones and mortar or, or adobe or whatever buildings are constructed out of. He's talking about people who are gathering around the lordship of Jesus, who who are centering their lives on what Jesus has done in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it's on this foundation, on this stone, that the church is being built. Jesus is the foundation. You know, throughout the New Testament, there is a broadening of the idea of who the people of God are. Those previously not a part of the people of God, those Gentiles, those that, that weren't uh, born with the right um, heredity, didn't, couldn't trace their line back to the right person, are actually being grafted and welcomed in. A new people. We see in the New Testament, part Jewish with lineage connecting back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and part Gentile with the the promise to Abraham of all nations being blessed through his descendants is finally coming to fruition. Peter talks about a priesthood of believers. Priests were people that interceded for the people before God. That is to stand before uh, the people for God and, and to kind of be going back and forth between the people and God and, and bringing the message of God back to the people. But Peter is talking about we're all a part of this. We'll, we're all a part of the ministry of the church we're all able to pray for one another and lift one another up and, and bind and loosen and hold accountable. We're all a part of this. Not just a certain class of uh, holy religious people. Not just the one that gets the title pastor put in front of them or her. All participating and following Jesus and being priests to one another. This is about a new people being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, brought into relationship, not because of biological reproduction, not because of shared national identity, not because they're Greek or Roman or Jew or Gentile, wealthy or poor, slave or free, but because Jesus is Lord. And because these folks have, been, have recognized, confessed, been baptized, and are striving to live out the teaching and example of Jesus. Folks, the early church, there were all kinds of reasons for them not to be in fellowship with one another. There were all kinds of uh, social and, and religious reasons for them to not be one people. But what they're finding in common is their shared love, their shared healing because of what Jesus had done. And this is what binds them together. The church becomes God's primary agent for announcing the kingdom. The church becomes God's primary agent for demonstrating and living out what the kingdom of God, what the reign of God looks like. The Roman world had imperial colonies kind of spread around. Roman citizenship carried great privilege in the ancient world. Not all conquered people in the Roman world were given Roman citizenship. You needed to be born in Rome or sometimes serving in the legion might earn you citizenship or uh, citizenship could be given to people for, for special reasons. But not all of Rome's citizens could actually fit in the city of Rome. And so they would identify certain cities around uh, the ancient world, and they would declare this is a colony of Rome. And when you were a colony of Rome, you were expected to uh, structure your, your city uh, from the way it was laid out, the buildings that it had, the way that it functioned, was supposed to look like a mini-Rome. And so the early church started adopting some of this citizenship language to talk about the way that they were being called as a new people, as a new colony welcoming the king to describe what the Christian church was about. So the early church met for regular worship. First, Jewish followers of Jesus maintained their Sabbath practices and worship in the temple. And they added their gathered worship of Jesus breaking bread together, which is both talking about communion, but shared meals together. They shared life, they shared resources in common. This was about a common life oriented around the lordship of Jesus Christ. It wasn't about life oriented around uh, my career and your career and your career and your career. The early church actually reoriented careers based on the lordship of Christ. Folks of certain occupations were expected to leave those careers in reorienting towards Jesus. See Paul kind of using his, his uh, occupation uh, to fulfill his needs as he continued his missionary journeys. And then he would work with leather. He's called a tent maker. Tent makers worked with leather uh, to help support his journeys. The early Brethren, too, uh, their movement was also about shared life oriented around the lordship of Jesus. Meeting for Bible study in homes, but sharing resources and sharing life beyond just Sunday morning. Well, we're recognizing as a church, as a congregation in this time, that we need to strengthen relationships with one another. COVID has done a number on relationships uh, across the world. And you add in uh, political division. It struck me in the last couple of weeks as we are having these primaries and you're seeing all the stuff. Uh, that's what the word I can use from the pulpit, I guess. Uh, on, on the commercials and how everybody was talking about how dangerous the other side was, or how dangerous other people in their own party were, but they, you know, they were a different candidate, and so they're dangerous. Now, look, there are dangerous ideas. I am not saying that there aren't. There there are important issues. I'm not saying that there's not, but it's, we've gone to this point of where we just vilify people that have a different opinion, and they're dangerous. We just label everyone with this dangerous thing, Relationships have suffered all over the place. And you know what? Just meeting on Sundays for an hour, maybe two hours if you came to Sunday school, isn't enough. It doesn't sustain a community of faith living in exile. We've talked uh, over the last number of months um, about the fact that our society is, is shifting and, and, and we, we no longer live in a place where everyone across our society recognizes the lordship of Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is. They might not know what the Bible is. Uh, they might not know the Ten Commandments. And there's all kinds of feelings that that brings to the surface in us. But that's just the reality of where we live. And so we find ourselves as a people living in exile and so meeting for one hour a week isn't enough. We need to learn to be together, to live together, to cooperate together. Another part of this dynamic of building our relationships within the congregation, you know, repeatedly we have heard and, and lifted up that uh, we value being an intergenerational church. We, we love the fact that we have a group of kids that's a, a, a part. And, you know, I, what I value also is that we let those kids be kids. Um, not only because I'm a parent and some, it's two of my own that are causing trouble around the place. And and please, correct them. You know, they're doing something they're not supposed to be. Um. It's okay, let them know they shouldn't be doing that. Uh, But we value having our children and having our youth, uh, and and I value having um, some who uh, are children at heart and more mature in ages. That's a good thing. And I think over the last number of years, we've tried to work at that, to, to value that, Remember before the pandemic, we had speed sharing. We sat around tables and, and older folks on one side and, and our, our youth and our children on another side. And, and we just real quick shared stories with one another, shared interests and, and and things that we enjoy. We have our Youth Sundays and we have our Children's Sundays, but I'll tell you as a pastor, what I appreciate more than one Youth Sunday or uh, Children's Sunday is seeing our kids involved in 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 praise team and, and helping it reading and, and doing other things throughout our worship services. I value that, that we've found it as a congregation important to have youth deacons, to be uh, kind of investing in them and having them experience what it means to be a part of the church and to be involved in preparing for, for love feast and communion and to be having some of those experiences. I'm really glad that we have a youth who a youth voice on our board so they can start to see how we function and cooperate as a, as a family, as a body. I'm really glad to have these opportunities. I know uh, Michelle Shepard has also had our, our sharing our stories in the past, yeah, having some of you come down and, and share your life experiences. Adoptive grandparents, lots of ways that we've tried to work at being an intergenerational church, to be together, to learn from one another, to help raise up our young folks. Is it odd then that one of the times we meet most frequently, we might advocate for segregating based on age? We also need to build relationships with our community, with folks that don't come and sit in the pews on Sunday morning. Why? Well, because good human beings should get to know those around them. We are social creatures, and we should get to know and be friends with people. Doesn't All of us should be, everyone should be trying to get to know people a little better. But also as followers of jesus as folks who read scripture together we are called to seek the peace and the prosperity of the place that we're called to live god's people in exile in the old testament aren't supposed to collect into this segregated holy huddle of people when they are sent off to babylon not just stay to themselves they are called to, to live lives and to engage what's happening in the society around them. Yes, there are times for us to disengage. Yes, there are times for us to be um, think critically about what it means for us to participate in the society. And maybe there are times where we do need to withdraw, but not just into a, a, this holy huddle, you know, we're going to, collect ourselves into this group and close the doors and quite literally to hell with everyone else. But we are called to engage and to love and to participate in meaningful ways. We believe that this is an invitation. We also have our great commission which Jesus calls us to make disciples, walking with people as they journey towards Jesus. We believe we're called to evangelism or gospeling the gospel. And I'll just reiterate something I said earlier. This is not the sole responsibility of the pastor. It's not the sole responsibility of a ministry team called evangelism in service. It's something that you and I are all invited to participate, to sit with people, to build relationships, to eat with them, to, to hear what's happening in their lives, to hear the, the places that are, are broken and in need of healing, to share our own stories about how Jesus is shaping our lives and hear and listen for opportunities to announce the way Jesus might be working in their lives. We're called to be the priesthood of believers. Again, I'll plug for uh, summer Sunday school, talking about how we can be equipped, how we can be learning to do that practically. We also have the great commandment from Jesus to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, the church, this has been said before, is, is, if we use the language of organization, there's lots of uh, civic organizations around that are there to benefit those that are members, those that pay a a membership fee or something like that. But that group is to benefit the members. The church is not about benefiting the members. It is about blessing people. It is about demonstrating the kingdom. It is about announcing the lordship of Jesus. So as a congregation, we are recognizing that relationships all over the place have been greatly impacted because of a number of factors in recent years. And we want to name these as priorities for Spring Creek Church of the Brethren. We've got to relearn what it means to be a community of faith, to be the family. We've got to learn also how to engage and build relationships with our neighbors and with our community. In this post-pandemic time, we're realizing just how much we need to refocus on building relationships with one another and those around us. Yes, we'll continue to worship on Sunday mornings. And yes, we'll continue to have Sunday school and Bible studies and and those opportunities. But we also need to grow in relationship building. Sitting down to the table to eat with one another. Learning to have fun and laugh with one another. Learning to bear one another's burdens with one another. Learning how to live and cooperate with one another. The gates of hell are no match for the reign of God. Jesus is the son of the living God. He is anointed. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And on this rock, Christ has built his church, calling you and I as a people, as a a priesthood, to intercede and bear one another before the king. This is what it means to be priests, a priesthood of believers. So, I don't know what questions this has sparked in your minds. I invite you to grab me after the service. Uh, write me a note. Let, let me know who you, who you are so we can, if there's more information that we need to, to get and help answer your question, we have that. Um, but I invite you to, uh, encourage you to continue to think about what it means for us to build relationships with one another, for what it means for us to participate and build relationships with people that live around us every day. As we respond this morning, I invite you to turn in your brown hymnal to number 425 and stand as we sing, Bind Us Together.